Hello and welcome to Pressing Matters, a fly on the wall style podcast about WordPress, business and life. Your hosts are Ian. Hello. And Jack. Hello. Ian's a plugin author and works for Delicious Brains. And Jack runs better notifications for WP and his web design agency. Let's get on with the show. This episode is sponsored by Fastspring, the full-service e-commerce solution that enables software companies to sell more, stay lean, and compete big. Find out more on fastspring.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pressing Matters. Ian, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Jack. I am good. I've just had a busy week of releases and updates and things breaking and bugs, but no, generally all good. Um, What about yourself? You You doing well? Yeah, all right, thanks. Yeah, I think um, since we last spoke, I was having a mare with just admin stuff that was nothing to do with work, taking up all of my time, and I've more or less gotten to the end of it now. So I'm getting stuck back into work. Um, but I've, I'm actually taking a, a recording this on a Thursday. I'm actually taking tomorrow off. Um, so I've, I'm having a kind of a short working week this week. But um, yeah, hopefully full full ball back into work again next week, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, so yeah. It's not been too bad, not been too bad. But uh, yeah, um, today we've got a guest actually. We've got uh, Peter Zoom. Um, hello, Peter, how are you? Hey, how are you guys? Yeah, we're good, thanks, Peter. I Probably my dodgy internet uh, split out just at the time when I was saying to Jack, it's Zoom, but with an S. So Peter Zoom, is that right? Zoom? Yeah, well, it's not how we say it in Denmark, um, but we were like 10 people with that name. So, you know. It's been a struggle, but it's fine. <laughs> that's how that's how I pronounce my name in English. Nice, yeah. Oh, oh we're, we're curious then. How do you pronounce it in Denmark? We say it uh, in more of a, I guess, like a German way. So it's pronounced Zoom. Zoom. Ah, okay. Ah, nice. Cool. Well, yeah. Thanks for coming on, Peter. And obviously, apologies for mangling your name there. Um, we are yeah, no problem. Well, you and I have hung out at WordCamps before, and we kind of know each other from from Twitter and and the stuff, but. Um, I thought it'd be really nice to have you on and chat about your the things that you do in WordPress um, and what's what you've got going on at the moment. So, it, would you mind just telling our listeners sort of who you are, what you do, and and how you kind of got into the WordPress world? Yeah, sure. Um, Ian wouldn't tell me how many listeners you have, but I I don't know. I agree to come on anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I I started doing WordPress way back in high school, I think, um, I was doing PHP before I did WordPress, like, I think when I was like 13 years old or something like that, building small websites and stuff. And then I realized that all this stuff that, you know, you were building for every project you made, you could just use a CMS for that, which was pretty cool. Um, and then I did some client projects and stuff like that, and not really anything serious with WordPress. Um, then later, in life, I worked as a first as a Ruby on Rails developer, and later as a PHP Laravel developer as well. So I came back into the WordPress ecosystem quite late compared to a lot of people. Um, so around 2014, 2015, I launched a product called WP Pusher, which was um, very much inspired by some of the stuff that I was used to working with in the Ruby on Rails and Laravel communities where, so it's a deployment tool that it basically it's a plugin that you install on a, on a client's website and then it connects to your GitHub account or Bitbucket or GitLab. And then every time you push some new code to GitHub for a plugin or a theme, it'll be 
um, deployed to that website. So it basically keeps your site up to date with all the new code that you push to GitHub. Um, and at that time, like there's not even a lot of people using Git in WordPress, but I was seeing sort of this trend of, you know, WordPress developers becoming more professional, I want to say. And um, I was used to working with these tools. Um, and every time you had to do something in WordPress and it involved like downloading FileZilla or something like that, and it was just miserable. So that's why I wanted to try to fix that. And I built WP Pusher, yeah. And it's been in the market since then. It's never been my full-time gig. It's been sort of something that's been running on the side and provided what I, I call it my basic income. <laughs> Um, so it's it's provided a nice floor basically for my income over the last five years, um, and it's there's a free version as well that's used by quite a lot of people in the WordPress um, community. So yeah, I I always get people that know about WP Pusher when I go to WordCamp, so that's pretty enjoyable. Nice. Is that something that you've seen um, over the sort of the last five years? Has it become more popular as um, WordPress developers have kind of, as you say, professionalized slightly and become more aware of things like Git and 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 a better deployment process. Have you seen that kind of that curve in the right direction of people getting that education of what is the best way of doing it and then using WP Pusher? Yeah, I definitely. Um, and it is, you know, it's it has kind of its, its own life. It's kind of just growing a little bit every year. Um, but I think, um, I, like Git is definitely way more popular now these days. People in the WordPress world use Git in weird ways mm. sometimes, um, but it, it is more widely adopted now, and that definitely helps. Like that makes the market bigger, I guess. Um, there's been a big wave, I think, over the past years of hosting companies adding these Git integrations, basically, or Git support to their um, platforms. And they're all different and they're all, some of them are really weird actually. Um, some of them are fine. Um, but I think that's that trend is actually going away a bit because a lot of people are realizing that Git isn't maybe the best technology for deploying files. Like it's good to track files and keep files, um, file changes to your files backed up nicely and but not necessarily the best way to deploy code. Mm. Um, especially not on like a shared hosting kind of setup that most people use in WordPress. So I think a lot of those kind of integrations are actually being rolled back a bit and not really being encouraged by the hosting companies. Um, but it has definitely made WordPress developers more aware of Git. And um, I, I have, I've felt that I think one thing that's kind of like to the disadvantage of WP Pusher is it works. So WP Pusher is quite a simple product. It basically just extends the built-in update mechanism that's already in WordPress. So basically when you install the theme or plugin from uh, wordpress.org, it's the same code that runs underneath. Like it's WP Pusher kind of just tricks WordPress into downloading the files from say GitHub. Yeah. Um, so it works on like a per theme and per plugin basis. And I, a lot of people are managing their entire WordPress sites. That's at least a trend I'm seeing. They're in managing the whole WordPress site in some sort of Git. Um, setup um, and WP Pusher doesn't really support that because you can't really update WordPress itself with WP Pusher. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think that's that's always something like I've known about WP Pusher for ages, and we've we've covered it and done a tutorial on the Delicious Brains blog, and but I've never used it personally purely because my WordPress sites are all stored in Git, but with a composer-based setup. So you're not actually storing the WordPress files, you're not actually storing the um, you know the free plugins and themes in the Git repo. It's just all managed by composer, and yeah, any premium sure. stuff. Is is perhaps stored in in the Git repo um, and then updated as part of, you know, like a, a composer update and deployment that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how. That's basically the kind of like the best way or like best practice way of doing it these days. But it's like with WordPress, like so many things around the workflow, it's like everyone has to reinvent the wheel, I think, mm. and come up with their own way of doing it because we don't have like one way of doing it um, yeah that's a, that is a good point and and the majority of people are probably not using best practices and doing something totally different but then with those use cases i guess wp pusher does help for them because like i know jack and i have spoken about it in the past he he only cares about the, the client theme potentially yeah and that's the thing that he has in git and yeah nothing else is is part of like the project when it comes to local development and so yeah that's, yeah, that's something I had like strong opinions about in the beginning with the pusher, but I was also biased, I guess. Um, yeah, that like basically WordPress treats themes and plugins as packages, and that's how developers should think of it as well, and keep them kind of like separated, which makes it easier to reuse stuff across sites and stuff. But I, I have changed my mind um, about that. Mm. I think the composer-based workflow is the ideal. And that's what that's what I use myself these days if I do WordPress projects. Yeah. You mentioned that it's got a free version. Has it always been for freemium, or did you add that later? Uh, it's always been there. So basically, it's free if the Git repository that you're connecting to is um, public. So you could say it's free for open source. Ah, um, uh, gotcha. Uh, so, so the WP Pusher itself isn't a. F uh, a is it on dot WordPress dot org, then? <laughs> Uh, it's not. No. Um, it was for five days until they took it down because they thought it was against their guidelines. Ah. Um, so the whole like freemium WordPress plugin model that you know I was planning on uh, never really worked out for me. Um, so it had sort of like a rough birth, I guess, <laughs> in terms of that. Yeah, uh, I, but I guess you don't. You haven't seen it. It being like a hugely detrimental thing not having that freemium channel of wordpress like from the sounds of it wp pusher is healthy and no. does well but yeah you haven't got that that typical yeah, wordpress yeah, freemium had to work around it right yeah yeah so like one thing i did in the beginning was i had just put up a website and i did a ton of content and screencasts and stuff like that to pull people in and then i asked them to give me their email um to download it the free version which is good for marketing purposes so you know because i didn't have to worry about like um wordpress.org like i could just kind of like do it my own way and have have a more like basically do it more like you probably would with more of a traditional SaaS product um mm. yeah with your sort of sign up to get access to free features but you've signed up you've given yeah. your email you've kind of committed and you're in your your marketing funnel i guess yeah, that's how it was for a while, at least. Now it's just there to download. Um, but I, I would love it to be on WordPress.org. It's I'm actually thinking about like 
I think the next big kind of like release of WP Pusher, the plugin itself will probably just be like a shell that doesn't really do anything. So it would be allowed on WordPress.org. And then we'll have the the different Git providers as extensions that you install. Mm. Because what they don't want is they don't want to have a plugin hosted on WordPress.org that allows you to install plugins from GitHub because it's kind of like a comp competing platform and they don't really control what people install from GitHub. Yeah. Um, like all this stuff doesn't really make sense, but they don't want to, I guess they don't want to spend the time like understanding <laughs> what we're actually doing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Unless uh, Jetpack wants to do something similar, it probably never change, right? <laughs> well, that's the elephant in the room, isn't it? When it comes to the WordPress repo, the the rules and regulations that only yeah that apply to everybody but jetpack or automatic kind of yeah. things they almost changed it enough that we could do what we do um but not all the way <laughs> because jetpack wanted to allow people to install um ex external stuff i guess uh, yeah yeah so um but yeah, Dopey Pusher now is just a side gig kind of thing. It's not something I spend a lot of time on. It's like we, we do releases and we do, you know, if Bitbucket changes their API, uh, which they sometimes do without any notice, we um, we do put out a new release and make sure that it always works. And we also do support, which is, you know, very minimal um, because it's we don't have add a lot of new features. And what we have is like, time tested it the plugin hasn't changed a lot in those five years um and it's a small feature set so i think most of the ui or ux problems have been kind of like taken care of by now so it's just a nice kind of little um stream of income that we have on the side right now nice Oops. yeah i was gonna say um is it just you? I mean, you just said we, but is there is it a team? Do you have um, freelancers you use for development or support or anything like that? <laughs> yeah, that's the royal we, right? Yeah. Um, we. Um, so the reason I say we is because um, with Branch now, like the whole, um, which is my, my newest product, the whole business has grown up a little bit, I guess. So... Um, when I took funding for Branch, which I think is something we're going to talk about as well, part of the deal was that WP Pusher was going to be uh, included because the two products are so similar and investors don't want you to have two competing products. Um, so it made sense from the beginning to just kind of like keep them together. And I also work with a developer um, and have done, we've worked together for about eight months now, I think. Um, he doesn't do he mostly do work on branch um because there's not a lot of work to do on Wpusher these days um but like with a team member and investors and stuff like that I've just kind of like transitioned into using we when I talk about it yeah yeah I get that I um because I use a developer myself for um best notifications my plugin um I tend to default to saying we when it comes to that. Uh, as well and um, when I'm speaking to them I say sort of we rather than I because they're sort of like a person that I hire you know as a, as a kind of like a consultant as a developer separate to the project you know and uh, I still say oh we should do this and I think that's a nice way of putting it to be honest with you I, I think they feel like they're included and they're they're part of something rather than just kind of 
you know a contractor or a freelancer or you know someone that's just kind yeah. of used for their services so i i quite i quite like the the use of we in that circumstance yeah and it's also i talked to a friend about this actually it's like it makes you i think it changes your the way you think about the business as well like it's more of a mindset thing as well like it's this is the business this is like or at least like you're you're opening the door or like you know that you're making room for other people when you use we instead of i i guess it's kind of similar to what you just said but it's like it's about a mindset thing i i think yeah absolutely so i suppose that segues nicely onto branch um which is as if i understood this correctly it's a SaaS for deploying things for wordpress developers yeah so it's a deployment tool uh, for and it's the primary primary use case is WordPress agencies and freelancers, so people doing client work, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so in theory, you could use it for your uh, plugins and you know build them and push them to WordPress.org, but it's not it's not what the product is really uh, designed for right now. It's really an agency use case. Um, so it basically the all the stuff that we never were able to do with WP Pusher, um, what you just described, Ian, with the you know, using Composer or having a, like the whole WordPress site in one repository and like anything you want to do before and after deployment is something we can automate now with Branch because Branch is basically under the hood. It's like it's a continuous integration platform like CircleCI or Travis or whatever people are used to uh, using. But on top of that, we built this kind of like nice UI for uh, building out deployment pipelines for the kind of the WordPress use case. So it means that everything in there is um, WordPress related. And the way you kind of like configure your deployments is we have a big library of these, we call them recipes for stuff that you can do. So for um, your use case, that could be like running Composer, running you know like an NPM built script. Um, if you had some tests in there, you could run those before you deploy. And then the deployment part, we have uh, recipes for all the big hosting platforms. So if you're using WP Engine, you click the WP Engine one. And with them, we actually also have more of like a deeper integration. So it connects to the WP Engine API, uploads an SSH key and like show you a list of all your sites. You click the site you want to deploy to. And then finally, we have um, a recipe for doing some Q&A stuff with uh, Google Lighthouse so you could check that your SEO score didn't drop or your page speed didn't drop. Just like all these different things that you would want to like add to your whole deployment flow. And, um, you know, it's it's a SaaS, as you said, and it's it, it, it's a powerful uh, continuous integration engine underneath it. So there's not really a limit to what we can do um, compared to WP Pusher. So it's a lot more exciting and more more fun to work on it i'm just looking at the, the website now it does look um it looks really polished and and it's gone through changes hasn't it because when i remember you first bringing it out and announcing it and working on it 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 was very much the ci continuous integration yeah. uh, focus and but now looking at it and, and hearing you talk about it and describe what it is it's it's almost it's it's a wordpress version of something like buddy would that be fair to say yeah yeah that would be a great way to put it actually um so imagine um if anything so one thing i want to do i do want to say that's different between a buddy buddy is when i when i log into a buddy i see more of a 
list of tools. Like you see a composer logo or a rsync logo or a git logo and in branch we try try to make it more use case based hmm. um so it's more like deploy to wp engine it's more like an action you want to take and not so much like here's rsync <laughs> what do you want to do with it or do you want to use rsync or sftp so like a big difference is we actually like i have a quarterly meeting <laughs> with wp engine and that's how i know if the best way to deploy is using git or rsync right right um but yeah, you're right. Like it's very different from when I started. It started out very much just as the, C like the focus was very much on the CI/CD tool, um, and no one understood that, <laughs> um, because it wasn't really built for anyone except like it was WordPress related, and people don't necessarily know why they need CI/CD. Um, so I did a lot of work around positioning, and um, that's something um, we got. We had some coaching related to that through the accelerator tiny seat that I got uh, funded by. And it's taken about half a year, I guess, to kind of like work on that positioning and then finally like the product catching up to it. But what we realized was that CICD is kind of optional and it's also just a trend in many ways. It's like as all of the CICD tools, it's they're very commoditized, like you pay by the minute and it's basically just a computer. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, so, but on the other hand, deployments are not optional. Like all WordPress developers deploy. It's just something we do every day. Mm. Um, so focusing on that, where which is where I think the value is, um, just makes it easier for us to communicate um, how, um, why people should use this product and who it's for. Um, so it's kind of informed the, the product roadmap as well. Um, but now we think of it more of a deployment, a deployment tool with CI/CD built in is how I normally put it. Yeah, and it, it seems like it's obviously the best, the right way to go because you've, um, you've you were in a niche that was very very niche, um, yeah. And now you've kind of opened it up, as you say, to to developers, agencies, people who are always deploying, and that is just an essential part of their job. So you've kind of opened up the yeah. market, I guess, made it easier to to market f from your side, and yeah, um, yeah, it looks really, really interesting. And you touched on the fact that you've kind of got these relationships with the host. Is that something? How did that come about? And um, I guess, yeah, does that does that completely um, put you out there in terms of your your um, product is so entrenched in WordPress and it's the WordPress deployment tool because you have these relationships. Is that what makes you the, the market leader, I guess? Uh, That's what I hope at least. Um, I mean, the way you get those partnerships is like, first of all, uh, of course, like you need to have a, a, a good product. Um, second of all, it's like, you know, one and a half, almost two years of continuous uh, business development effort. And uh, an interesting point actually is I realized that when I look at all the different partners we have, like the most successful ones um, are people I actually met in real time at one point and typically also had like some sort of beverage with uh, like a <laughs> beer or a coffee, um, typically at a WordCamp. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not something like a competitor couldn't come in and in two weeks have all the partnerships and integrations that we have because it just takes so long to build up those relationships. Um, but I think we're just lucky that there is sort of like a, 
uh, a win-win kind of like situation where it just makes sense for the hosting companies because they're already recommending other tools. Um, just an, as an example, like some WordPress hosts have command line tools that can generate a Circle CI configuration file that's like half a kilometer long. And <laughs> it's like no one knows how to maintain that. And it just it's it's a it's a poor uh, user experience for a, a hosting company to just hand over a, a file configuration file like that to a customer and be like, now you're responsible for maintaining this. Um, and now there's this solution where, you know, someone has the time to, you know, um, read their documentation and work with their API and understand their platform and kind of like um, handhold their users. Um, so it's just a really like a win-win situation that we're small enough that the WordPress hosting market is big enough, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, because CircleCI would never do what we're doing because they're just too big. It wouldn't make sense for them. So, Peter, um, I see from your site last year you joined Tiny Seed um, for Branch. And am I right in thinking they're, they're kind of an accelerator for startup SaaS? Is that right? Yeah. So, kind of like their thing is it's a remote accelerator and it's focused on people who would traditionally bootstrap. So, it's different from like a Y Combinator or something in the way that they don't necessarily need you to be a unicorn, a billion dollar company. Mm -hmm. The way their terms are structured is, uh, they're pretty generous. Um, but if you start to make a lot of money, they have to make a little bit of money as well, um, which is how companies normally work. Like if you have a stake in a company, you're entitled to, you know, pro rata on the dividends um, that's being kind of generated by that company. So that's basically, um, how they're different so they structured their terms in a in a way that they they're they're kind of like catering to more of the bootstrapper mentality mm -hmm. and self-funded startups so they're not expecting okay. you to suddenly hit the ground running and 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 take revenue to a certain heights so they can get their cut straight off no it's like normally with an accelerator like they raise you raise money from an accelerator you get a valuation um with tiny seed the valuation is usually around a million dollars and then with an kind of like traditional accelerator, like they'll just kind of like be waiting for you to raise your seed round or your series A or something like that. And then hopefully your valuation at that point would be 10 times higher than when you raised from the accelerator, which is then allows them to say that they had, you know, a 10x investment and then, you know, they can get some more, uh, they, they can provide a return at least on paper for their investors and then they can use that to uh, raise even more money uh, so that's kind of like how it goes mm. um, but with tiny c like they have a financial model that takes into account that a company can also just be profitable and never raise more money yeah yeah the, i mean the the accelerator and the startup world in terms of funding is, is definitely a, a concept that i'm not that familiar with um but it sounds like the tiny seed framework and the way they operate is is just a lot more sensible and presumably for for, yeah. for you as uh you know a founder of a company that they're invested in it's a lot less stressful um and probably quite yeah. quite nice like how have you found it oh yeah it's not stressful like for me it's been the opposite it's like the the idea with the money is you can take out a salary and it's like mm. i mean all of a sudden like you're kind of like hired to work on your own startup 
which is pretty nice. Um, I do want to say that I I was one of the very first people who even got an offer from Tiny Seed, and I think they changed their criteria a little bit. Um, so essentially, when I raised money from them, all we had was a prototype. Mm. Um, we're close to having an MVP that people could actually use. But when I first started talking to them, it was like weeks after I put out a tweet that I was working on branch and all I had was a prototype that only worked on my computer. And um, I had a screen re- screen recording of that. Um, but I think they changed their mind a little bit on pre-revenue um, startups. So branch is starting to have revenue now, but it's still <laughs> the early days. Yeah. Um, and of course, WP Pusher has some revenue, but they I think they changed their mind a bit uh, on that part. Um, so for me, it was pretty cool. Like it was essentially like I have this idea, and these people are paying me to work on it. Yeah, uh, but but from the sounds of it, it's it's a little bit more um, re- uh, restricted in terms of they'll want to see uh, yes. things that are currently making money or a bit more fleshed out. Then yeah, yeah. And I was very. Um, when I so I started pitching Rob on this, and I knew someone who was going to be a mentor in Tiny Seed as well. That that kind of like uh, introduced me, and um, I got my deal pretty early on before all I think before all the applications were um, in. And since then, like com- for their two batches combined, like they've received more than fifteen hundred applications. Wow! And so it's it's pretty competitive and. Um, yeah, I think you have you you have to have more traction than I had um, these days. Um, but the core idea is, is the same. Yeah, I guess that kind of just one thing. That, sorry, yeah, yeah. One thing that was uh, cool and that really I liked about joining Tiny Seed. Obviously, I was Rob Walling, who's the founder of Tiny Seed, um, has a very popular podcast called Starters for the Rest of Us mm-hmm. that I've been listening to for years mm-hmm. and been just following his. Uh, stuff online for many years and was a big fan but he was also um, part of the first uh, angel investor group that invested in WP Engine back in 2011 oh. um, which was obviously a very uh, profitable <laughs> investment mm-hmm. for him um, you know just uh, two years ago WP Engine raised 250 million dollars yeah um, on a like you know more than a hundred million dollars in annual recurring revenue so they're quite a big big deal right now um but having someone like him as an investor is provides some leverage as well um in the wordpress ecosystem you can say you can bring up his name so that was something that was attractive to me as well yeah i I was going to ask you know how much uh support and involvement comes from uh, th- this relationship with Tiny Seed rather than just the the money, you know, cold hard cash to get you going and keep you going. Um, like, yeah, it, obviously the connection with WP Engines there it, was that something that you yeah. could use and lean on. It's to me like it very much is a pull system. Like you have to, especially now that I'm I'm technically out of the program as well because it runs for a year. Um, but like you know, I have Rops. Uh, link to book a time on his calendar and if i want to talk to him and or other mentors there's a large uh, list of mentors in tiny seed mm-hmm. um in terms of the program itself i think i was just a little too early maybe so a lot of the offerings there was maybe i think it was a little premature for me um you know like they have expert mentors that can help you like set up paid ads um 
or you know work on your whatever sales funnel um, but it's like when you still have a prototype it doesn't really that's not really what you need right you just actually just need to get the work done yeah um so for me it's a lot more the money of course and then the community um so so, so what does it look like now that as you say you're out of the year how, how does that sort of work going forward yeah so mostly it's just like i still get all the cat pictures and stuff in the tiny seed slack um <laughs> and i'm still in the in the mastermind group that they put us in so we're three people that talk every other week and you know they're they it's just like an alumni network that ha- they have a lot of like activities and whatever stuff but it's basically just how much you want to get involved and what you want to do um but it's nice like you're a part of their community and their group of investors like i took in some more funding actually um from some of the investors and mentors in tiny seed um so you're kind of like in this network of people that are good people to know i guess mm. and and as you said earlier the the way that the financial structure works is that once you reach a certain point of revenue then you they obviously start seeing something for their investment is that something that you're close to past or or how you know how does that work from the money side of things it's not it's not exactly like that like there are other of these like alternative funding options um there are one that's being compared to tiny seed quite a bit that i think is just actually pretty predatory like when it comes to that Mm. um where you have to pay back the money three times or like all this stuff um but with tiny seed it's very much just like you know if your uncle invested in your company or something like that like they literally just own uh, a little bite of your company Mm. and then um the way it's structured is that there is a cap to the founder's salary so if i want to if i want to make more than kind of like the salary that we agreed on the way i would take out money off the company is by um taking out dividends Mm -hmm. And then because they're actually an owner of the company as well, like they get their share of the dividends. Yeah. Um, but it's optional. Like I could also just never um, take out any money and then one day sell the company and they get their percentage as well of this of that, you know, the equity that they hold. Yeah. But it's very flexible. Like it's very much up to you what you want to do with it. That does sound, sound like a, sort of, good. A, a, yeah, a really good, especially f- for the position you're in where... You know, you needed to to actually build it out and and get the product working from just a sort of a prototype. That that financial investment with with those terms seems amazing. Like, ha- you must feel quite lucky to have got in at, at that early stage. Yeah, definitely. Like this, it's been incredible, and I'm very thankful for that they believed in me, and I I hope that I get to pay them back someday. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. It's nice though, isn't it? Because it it sounds like a much more relaxed way of being able to work on the thing that you obviously really, really want, the thing that you want to succeed. Um, yes. As opposed to going at it full bore, you know, as fast as possible, you know, uh, dealing with burnout. And I might be, you know, um, oversimplifying, you know, what you kind of see from your typical unicorn startup elsewhere. But yeah. it just feels like a very organic and comfortable way of growing something with the funding that you need uh it just, yeah. it just it's just it seems like it's turned it on its head and it's very refreshing to see something like that yeah i think it's a nice 
they it's a nice addition to the whole funding landscape i do think and that's something on so on my podcast um that i do with one of the other founders from my batch of tiny seed um matt um we talk a lot about this stuff and i think i do think people have um a little bit like the way they think about like traditional funding is maybe based on their own like fears or uh, maybe just inexperience with this stuff because it's almost like people in our ecosystem of like bootstrappers and self-funded startups like think that as soon as you take funding like you lose every control of your business and none of your principles apply anymore but i think you know in most cases unless you have like really predatory investors like you you actually still can hold on to your principles if if you choose to i think it's much more of a like some of these um you know communities that you might like get pulled into like they just make you dream big or like and you actually do start to like think like the only thing that matters is like go big or go home Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not necessarily the investor's fault um it might just as well be like the founder (laughs) and the way they think about it um, but yeah, you are right. Like, I think Tiny Seed definitely helped like put some more like, or shed some more light on like the fact that you could also just try to build like a sane, more sane business. Um, um yeah. talking talk, talking about the business side of stuff. Obviously, I've been watching your sort of Twitter feed recently, and and we talked about how you kind of shifted the proposition for Branch, and you, you, the products caught up to it. And are you? Into, I'm not even sure how much transparency you're doing around, like you know, it's a big thing with with bootstrap companies and and SaaSes to be transparent with their earnings and everything. But like, are you getting to a point now where you're you're more comfortable, you're more happy with revenue? What, um, you know, how is that side of things? Um, the revenue is still small. Uh, the way so the way I think about the revenue now is not so much like can it sustain me. It's more like the revenue right now is more an indicator of how things are going, like how fast the revenue is growing. Mm-hmm. Or, but it's very much like to me, it's still in like the validation phase, and the revenue is is important as a metric of are people actually getting value from this product um and yeah you mentioned my tweets and one tweet i put out the other day was about our um free to paid conversion rate which basically changed (laughs) very dramatically after we kind of like got over the whole like changing our positioning and um and working through that with the product um and then it just your revenue even though the numbers are very small it changes very quickly Mm. and it's not it's not so much about where the revenue is now it's more like okay if it was here three days ago and it's here now like and we draw a line between those two points and we just you know continue that line a little bit like it actually starts to look pretty good yeah if that makes sense yeah um it's not so much where where it's at right now (laughs) because the numbers are just too small and if you if you focused on that like it would it wouldn't sound like a very attractive business. So you're, it's kind of like the interesting part of, is the is the growth rate or the conversion rate. Like those numbers are more important right now. Yeah, it's, it's changes in your um, in your trajectory, I guess, in in with certain metrics that it's, it's yeah. a change that is positive rather than, as you say, the current position of revenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 
well, we don't have a lot of paying customers right now. But one thing I could say is, you know, the first five customers we got took a year exactly. So like from the first customer started paying till we got the fifth customer that took a year. And that's obviously very long and painful. Mm. Um, and a lot of people would probably just quit <laughs> because it's just painful to to see it grow that slowly and like it's not like it grows linearly like then you get someone and they cancel and then you get someone else and then they cancel but it's just a sign that you haven't quite figured everything out yet yeah um and then you know after that like the next 10 customers came in like two or three months so you know then the obvious conclusion oh the important thing there is not necessarily how many people that is it's just like okay something drastically changed here that made it significantly easier to get more paying users. Mm. Yeah, I guess having the tiny seed stuff is it, well in the first year at least was that kind of blanket that stopped you from going. Oh, this is either slow going and you know feeling quite down about it, which you potentially could do if you were just typically bootstrapped. Yeah, it helps you not quit for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, nice. It's nice to see as well that more WordPress kind of startups and companies are getting funding for things as well. Like they're beginning to be yeah. taken more seriously as a as a kind of um, as a as a as a place for people to construct websites. You know, that's that's really good. And yeah. I know you mentioned WP Engine and you know, but people like yourself, like Branch and everything. I think if people see WordPress as a real player, which I think. They do, but it's just like it's almost like taking a while for the um, the the finance and kind of you know the funding to come through um, for yeah. accelerators to look at them and say this is big business here. There's a lot to be yeah. had here, so it'd be interesting to see where that goes in the future as well. I think. Yeah, and I, if I could give some advice, like I would say, there's not been from what I've seen like a lot of funding going on with like plugins and you know smaller SaaS products in the WordPress ecosystem, but funding has been like an integral part of WordPress growth. Like mm -hmm. if you look at automatic, like they're obviously VC funded since day one, almost. If you look at WP engine, if you look at Pantheon, like, you know, WP engines received hundreds of millions <laughs> of funding. Pantheon's re re received about a hundred million dollars in funding. Um, and there are also like smaller businesses. I'm pretty sure Freemius is a, um, has investors as well and there's just many like if you start to look around like there's a lot of small companies sort of within the WordPress ecosystem we had in our uh, batch of tiny seed uh, Craig Hewitt of Castos mm. where they're doing a, a WordPress uh, podcast hosting plugin as well so there are like these people that are involved with investors and they're making a lot of money from investing in WordPress products so like if people are considering something like this or maybe getting more serious i guess with their uh, wordpress products look at those companies and like look who invested in in them and like if you if you look at the first round in um in wp engine back in 2011 like you have people like rob walling but you also have people like eric reese who wrote the lean startup or damesh shah from hopspot and like all of these people like if you go probably some of them are harder to go talk to but you know they are they definitely understand that WordPress is a big market and that you can make a lot of money from it uh, because they've done it themselves. Um, I think that's something that's good for people to, hmm. to at least consider. Like it, 
you don't have you don't have to bootstrap just because it's a WordPress plugin. Yeah, and it, it yeah. Just talking about plugin um, funding, it reminded me that there was even within the ecosystem, WP Beginner had their growth accelerator yeah. fund, Saeed Balki's exactly yeah. investments. You know, he, he, they run multiple WordPress plugins successfully, and they then help to fund and improve other. Um, plugins that were out there that you know had, yeah. had potential but didn't perhaps have the backing and needed um a, a leg up as it were and there's like i think there's been a couple of rounds of that since i believe but yeah it's i, I find yeah, that definitely. interesting that the the, the 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 plugin ecosystem is now sort of almost helping itself in a way from the funding perspective yeah yeah um i guess the last thing to talk about you mentioned your podcast um which is uh what you've got one at the moment is that right what or what's going on with you yeah so i got a podcast with matt from my batch in tiny seed called out of beta and that's basically our weekly show update show i guess where we just talk about what's going on in our businesses and we geek out a lot about that and so it's very much like a (laughs) inside baseball as they say in the u.s Mm. uh going on on that show um I'm right now. I'm actually launching a WordPress-related podcast as well. Um, it's called Billable Hours, and it's for basically for everyone in WordPress that are interested in client work. So it's for WordPress agencies and freelancers. And so I'm planning season one right now, which will have ten episodes with various people from the WordPress ecosystem, and we'll talk about all kind of different things, like you know the block editor um, and you know modern. Uh, WordPress development with the headless and static sites and stuff like that, but also more like, um, you know, people-related issues like diversity and accessibility and stuff like that. Just like covering things that I think are relevant for for people in the agency and, and freelance space kind of thing, um, which also correlates with the, um, the people that would probably find Branch a, a helpful product. Um, so there's obviously, there's an overlap there. Yeah, it's called Billable Hours, and it's 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 live now that you can subscribe, but um, you can go listen to the trailer. But there is no no episodes are out yet. Nice. What's the URL for that? So it's called BillableHours.co, and then you should show up in iTunes as well or your podcatchers. Okay. I have just subscribed myself. That sounds like something yes. that's right up my street. Sounds good. <laughs> I hope uh, hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Yeah, look forward to that. When did you say that's kind of getting started? I say you appreciate your uh, planning it out at the moment. When can yeah within the, the within the next so. month we should start releasing episodes. Um, we're figuring out the recording schedule right now, um, mm-hmm. and we have we have most of the guests lined up, so should be good. The hardest part so far was finding the name. <laughs> we had so many silly names, and none of them just seemed right. Um, until I asked uh, Bjorn, the developer I work with for Branch, I just asked him, you used to work in an agency. What, what's something stereotypical agency kind of thing that you that would comes to mind? And he was like, well, they certainly want you to have a lot of billable hours. <laughs> like, that's actually not a bad name. <laughs> nice. Did you, that's brilliant. How many domains did you buy before you found that, before yeah. you landed uh, on This it? was the third one. Nice. <laughs> Because you can't share the name with people before you buy the domain. So to get feedback, you have to actually buy the domain name. (laughs) 
Very cool. Nice. Yeah, I can't claim pressing matters. I that was that was all Ian. I'm terrible with names. If you if you've listened to the last couple of episodes of the podcast, you'll realise that the name of the plugin that I've just, the new plugin that I've just released, I changed the name and I announced the name on the podcast and then changed the name and announced that again <laughs> uh, recently. So yeah, no, I'm terrible nice. with names. But uh, interestingly, Ian, I don't know if you know this, but I was. I wondered what would pop up if you typed in pressing matters into Google now. And we, we do come up, but interestingly, pressing matters is also an ironing and laundry service in uh, Southend-on-Sea in the UK. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that is a good a good use of the words for them, I guess. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, that's good. It works. Yeah. It does work. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah. I th- well, I mean, with our with the podcast name, anything on a play on word or press is such a typical thing and it just seemed to work but yeah i like billable hours that's good that's nice yeah yeah I like and the then it doesn't have to stay well, wordpress right sorry about that sorry. yeah um yeah no absolutely it doesn't have to stay wordpress it's all all things well anything anything and everything but yeah any matter we want to talk about i guess um yeah. i was just gonna I say didn't, I, I, didn't I like slab. your beta sorry. out of beta uh podcast because yeah. you know it's it is what it says on the tin. It's uh, it, yeah. it's it's you, you know, developing your your thing and getting it out there. I, I really like that, and I like the logo as well. Kind of where it goes from a bit chaos to kind of <laughs> this kind of neat circle of like you know, well, I guess, I guess you could say continuous kind of integration kind of thing. But I suppose you, it's not necessarily the case if you've got. Um, uh, I didn't design the logo. That was my co-host, so I don't think so. No, <laughs> it works. It works. Yeah. Yeah, and notice I didn't slap at WP in front of the branch name as well, right? So you might as well keep that door open, I guess. Absolutely. Yes, I'm all for trying to future-proof things a little bit. <laughs> nice. Well, that's well, been re- great yeah. to speak to you, uh, Peter. Um, I wondered you know, if uh, listeners want to get in touch with you or sort of see what you're up to. Um, where can they Where can they get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, they can find Branch at branchci.com. Since they are listening to a podcast right now, like I'm sure they would maybe be interested in that, uh, subscribing to the new podcast. So billablehours.co is where that is. Um, otherwise, I'm on Twitter at Peter Sue, just my name. Awesome. Great. Yeah, it's- and out of beta.fm. Yeah, that's the other podcast. If people are into like super geeky business strategy, whatever, <laughs> ramblings. Nice. We, we love some ramblings here as well. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, it's really good to chat to you, Peter, especially considering with the lack of word, word camps around. I mean, we last yeah. chatted at Brighton in last summer. And so, yeah. Yeah, that was a nice word camp, actually. Yeah. I, I miss that kind of stuff. I, just... feel, I remember that we kind of had to pull you out there. Yeah. But you came. Yeah, I... I... I can't remember. I think I had something booked and then I didn't. And then I, yeah, I managed to cut, get down. I mean, it's only a couple of hours away from me. So it's it's, it's a local word camp as such. But yeah, I, I missed the hallway track, definitely. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. It was nice hang out with you guys for an hour. Yeah, really nice to chat, Peter. Thanks for coming on. And um, yeah, it, hopefully listeners have, have enjoyed that. And if they do, if you'd like to leave a review, please go to pressingmatters.fm forward slash review. And yeah, really great chatting to you, Peter, and nice to talk to you again, Jack. Take it easy, guys. Yeah, thanks, Ian. Thanks, Peter. Mm-hmm.